0: Hi. Right. Well, today we're going to be celebrating, or we are celebrating, Fourth of July, which is going to be tomorrow. And on this date in 1776, 13 colonies sent representatives uh, to, uh, to make a declaration to England saying, we are not going to be a colony anymore. We're going to be a nation all by ourselves, which is a bold statement to the most powerful country in all of the world, amen, because the king didn't have their best interest in heart. So today, I want to discuss with you our spiritual roots. Where did they come from? Are we a Christian nation or not? And were our forefathers Christian? So I did some studying on this, and I'm going to present it to you, and then you make a decision to your own self whether we feel like we're a Christian nation or not. So let's go back in time a little bit. And look at why the people from Europe came over in the first place. It was because of religious persecution. The Catholics were persecuting the Protestants. The Protestants were persecuting the Catholics. In fact, on October 31st, 1731, the Catholic ruler of Salzburg, Austria, Archbishop Leopold von Firmian, we all know him, right? He issued an edict expelling as many as twenty thousand Lutherans from his principality. So many of these people had to leave their homes with only eight days' notice. They went about and were starved. Were starving, and they, some of them died because of the cold. They drifted all throughout the winter. In England, you saw you saw some. Uh, here's some pilgrims. There's, these are your forefathers. Do you recognize anybody in there? No. Is Uncle Louie, is he in there? No, I don't know if I don't see him. Okay. In, in England, a strong believer in the notion of rule by divine right, England's Charles I persecuted religious dissenters. Again, waves of migration of 20,000 Puritans throughout uh, New England, they came to this country. In 1620, now these are the Puritans, they came to Massachusetts and laid, landed on Plymouth Rock, And because the previous settlers did not prevail because of their lack of government, they said, we need to get a government. They formed the Mayflower Compact. And in that doctrine or that document, it says, this is their quote, we have undertaken for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of the king a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. Why did they come over here? Because for the glory of God and the the, the um, proliferation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're not afraid to sh- to say it. They're not to say we are Christians. We believe in God. We believe in the Savior. Amen. Other colonies took on that same wording. And in 1638, the drafter said, "We enter into a combination and confederation together to maintain and preserve the liberty and purity of the gospel." our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that the First Continental Congress, before they even had a declaration of independence, they had a day of prayer and fasting to see if it was God's will that they secede from uh, England? A whole day of prayer and fasting. These are government officials, right? In 1977, while the colonies were struggling in the Revolutionary War, the First Continental Congress called the Bible the Great Political Textbook of the Patriots, and they appropriated 20,000 Bibles to be sent out to the colonies. Can you imagine that? Is this a Christian nation or what? You know that Congress still prays before and after every meeting. But let's talk about our founding fathers. Can we? Did you know that 53 out of 56 representatives from the colonies professed to be Christians, and 24 of them held seminary or Bible School degrees. So let's look at some of these quotes that they had, okay? Here are some quotes. These, well, this is the Constitution. says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's derived from the principles of uh, the Bible that we're all considered equal, and so they fought for that. Now, here's what George Washington says, it is impossible say impossible. impossible, to rightly govern the world without God and Bible. Isn't that amazing? Now, that's true for us today. Can you manage your world, govern your world without God and the Bible? No, you need the instrument, the instruction manual. You know, you, know, you get these, uh, you ever get a bicycle or a table or something that you have to put together and they give the instructions to you? And, and you look at them and you look like, "Whoa, what, how... I know these are the instructions, but how does it apply to putting this table together? Because you got all these screws and arrows and washers, and, but it doesn't make sense to us. But what if the guy that actually wrote those instructions came to your house and said, well, let me explain it to you. And that's what the Bible does. God sent us a Bible, but he needs the Holy Spirit to come and explain it to us, how it applies in our lives. Amen? You want to try to do it by yourself? No, you need a little help. Amen. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible and he can help you interpret it and bring it to uh, practicality in your life. Amen? So the the last part of this quote here with George Washington is, it's impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. And then he says, what students should learn in American schools above all is the religion of Jesus Christ. That's our founding father, our first president, George Washington. We actually went to his house in uh, Mount Vernon, beautiful spread, a house that's like a compound. It's like a plantation. It's like, you know, enormous uh, land. And he had visitors every day of the year. Poor Mrs. Washington, huh? (laughs) Why do you have so many friends? (laughs) But uh, it was a a great span, and and he was very hospitable. And one thing that I learned about, it's kind of interesting, for breakfast or any meal that he had, say it was the meals at 6 o'clock, at 6.01, they ate. And if you weren't there, it didn't matter. You know, you just come in when you can. But 6 o'clock, on the dot, you ate and, and uh, you know, he ate. And if you come along, then you're going to eat when, whenever you get there. Okay, let's see another president. Let me see another president. Okay, thank you. Uh, second president, the Declaration of Independence laid the cornerstone of human government from the precepts of Christianity. Does that sound like a president that today would say that? No, never. Let's see another quote. Thomas Jefferson, third president of the United States. The reason that Christianity is the best friend of government is because Christianity is the only religion that changes the heart. Isn't that true? When you become a Christian, doesn't your heart change? You become softer towards things. You begin to hear the voice of the Lord and know correction in what, he's supposed to, what he wants you to do. It's not like, okay, I just live my own self, my own way now. Now all of a sudden you have a Lord in heaven that's saying, no, this is the right way. This is the way you're supposed to go. And so you give up things. You sacrifice things. You change things in your life. And we keep changing until we meet him. Amen? So now Thomas Jefferson is kind of a funny guy because he has some other contradictory uh, quotes that he has that make you think that he doesn't really believe in Jesus. But he sent his children to Christian schools. He sent his nephew to Christian schools. He sent Bibles to missionaries. But then you see these things that he says, like uh, Christianity is a deception, and we just like, what? Are you you're confused? <laughs> okay. Isaiah thirty three twenty two. This is a, this is astounding for all you government people. This is where the uh, three branches of government came from: the Justice Department the Congress, which is our lawg- lawgivers, and the President. Here it is in Isaiah 33, 22. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. He will save us. Three branches of government right there. So that's how they followed. Uh, that's how our Constitution and our uh, government is formed. Hallelujah. Let's look at John Hancock. Remember John Hancock? Anybody remember John Hancock? What's he famous for? Signature. See, there's a college student right there. Signature. Okay, we're going to show his signature in a minute. But he said this. We recognize no sovereignty but God and no king but Jesus. Ooh. There you go, Johnny boy. Let's see what he said. Let's see. See, this is the Constitution. And check out his name there. John Hancock. No mistake about it. Not only was it big, bigger than anyway, it's the prettiest handwriting there they have, right? And you know the phrase that we usually say, well, put your John Hancock on there, right? Right? You Remember that? John Hancock, who's, you know, when you're growing up, who's he? What are you talking about? Put your John Hancock. That's where it came from. Okay, next uh, slide. Patrick Henry, what's he famous for? Give me liberty or give me death, right? And when you see pictures, he's always got his hand up. Give me liberty or give me death. But here's what he said. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. Patrick Henry probably was the strongest uh, Christian believer, strongest in faith. And he was willing to give his own life up for liberty. We have liberty in Christ. Do You know that now. We're free from the constraints of the devil. We're going to talk about that in a minute, too. Let me see some other guys. Oh, here's another quote by Patrick Henry. He says, there is a book referring to the Bible worth all other books which were ever printed. Amen? Some more guys. John Jay. The first chief justice of the the Supreme Court, Providence has given... To our people, the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of a Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for the rulers. So, we have an election coming up. Okay, which one of y'all is a better Christian? Let me see, you know. Let's take the Christian test and see who, 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 who. (laughs) No, 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 no. Okay, let's see. Let's see another quote. James Madison. Now, this is the one that really hit me the most. It says, The future and success of America is not in this Constitution, but in the laws of God upon which this Constitution is founded. Amen? It's not the written word right there. It's the word of God that we use to form the Constitution. Amen? Amen. Do we have another quote from anybody up here? Okay, so... Did you know that 90% of the schools that were started uh, after we started this country were designated to promote pastors and promote the Christian religion? So here's, uh, uh, this is, you know, from Harvard, from Princeton to Yale. Here's the official original Harvard University student handbook, 1636. You're going to Harvard, this is what you're going to read. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Hello. And therefore, to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning, and seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom, let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek it of him. Wow. With quote, Proverbs 2, 3. That's your handbook. Praise the Lord. Let's see another. Daniel Webster said, education is useless without the Bible. You get all knowledge and you don't have God's wisdom and God's grace. You're, it's useless. Let's see. So we have another quote? Now, Abraham Lincoln, talking to my son, he's considered a, a founding father because during the um, Revolutionary War, no, not Revolutionary, Civil War, Uh, When the country was divided, he became like a, it was like a new birth, so we had a new nation. He says, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good of the Savior of the world is communicated to us through the book, President Abraham Lincoln. Pretty impressive. You know, these guys should be preachers, huh? (laughs) All right. Now, let me see this next slide here. Why is all this important? to them and to us. Because when you dedicate your life and your heart to God, and you, and you take time to study his word and pray, he protects you. He watches over you. He, he guides you and directs you in the way you're supposed to go. So here we see a famous portrait of George Washington getting off of his horse and praying to God for protection. Amen? The great general didn't rely on his own intelligence, his own smarts, his own wits. He said, I need someone in heaven to watch over me. So there's a story that goes on about the French and Indian War, and this is documented in Washington, D.C., that there was a time when George Washington was in a battle with the Indians, French and Indian War, and they were shooting at the Americans, and they shot at George Washington, and they couldn't kill him. They shot all around him. There's other people on horsebacks. They went down. They shot at George Washington. His horse went down. He got on another horse and started riding, and they had him, you know, point-blank range, the Indians did, to shoot at him, and they shot, bam, bam, and they couldn't hit him. Finally, the chief said, wait a minute, hold on. Don't hold your fire. This is not any ordinary man, but God's providence and protection is upon him. They put down their guns and their rifles. And later on, I don't know how long it was, like five years later, the chief had to meet George Washington. He said, I wanted to meet you because I knew the hand of God was upon you, and I wasn't going to go against God's will and shoot you. But I wanted to meet you because I know you're going to become the father of this nation. Amen? So God will protect you. He'll watch over you. If you have enemies, guess what? He'll take care of them for you. He'll put ambushments to confuse them so that they fight for themselves and you walk away Scott. clear. Have you ever had that happen to you? You're worried about, I mean, I've been worried about things that work. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? This is not working out. I don't know how. And then you pray all night and then you get up in the morning and it's all taken care of for you. It's all smoothed out. Like, God, how did you do that? Well, I think, Virginia, you sang the song, he's a great God, right? I can, I can handle that one. You know, my dad was a mechanic. He, as a profession, he worked on airline um, uh, engines and elect- electrical things, and he could fix anything, and so I used to get into a lot of trouble, and, and he would have to fix it. <laughs> you know, I'd be playing baseball, and I'd just let one go like that and right into somebody's window, and everybody ran. Oh, man, all the kids, they ran. I go, where are you going? Because <laughs> I know my dad could fix it i never seen him fix a window before, but sure enough, he got down there, and he put the putty, and he showed me how he did, because there was going to be other times that I broke some windows. <laughs> One time, I put a BB gun through a window, but hey, you know. So, so, uh, so, I have that confidence in the Lord. No matter what goes wrong, he can fix it. He's, he made this whole world, and he's able to correct anything that goes wrong. So, George Washington was a testimony to that. We have another story. This is D-Day in Normandy, where the troops, there was over 150,000 troops that were, had to storm Normandy to thwart off Hitler and all of his attacks. And if they didn't do this, there was great danger in Hitler taking over Europe. So what they had to do with Dwight D. Eisenhower, they had to plan what is the best day that we can attack them, either by surprise, and we had to count on the weather because they had to have a full moon so that they could see where they were going. They had to go you know, in, in dark, and, but they couldn't have foggy because the airplanes and the parachuters had to come in. So they were testing the weather, they were waiting for, for things to happen. And the Germans had the same weather report, but ha, guess what? <laughs> Their weather report was different than our English weather report. And, and so they it was all foggy and, cl- and cluttered and cloudy and they said, there's no way they can come today. So guess what they did? They went home to their wives, and they had parties and just celebrated. And lo and behold, the, the, the weather opened up. The skies turned uh, clear, and the, all the troops were able to storm Normandy, take over that, that little area right there, and then the whole war changed because of God's weather provision. Amen? God's watching over America. When you dedicate your life and your family to the Lord, he's going to watch over you. I, I have a great confidence to know there's nothing that can happen that God is not watching out for me and going to protect me. And if it does try to happen, we had a great story with Veretta Heidelberg. She, uh, she, Charles was texting her about something, and she said, I, I can't really talk right now. Come tell the story.
1: Yeah, I was just uh, texting Veretta, and... Um... Uh, she sent me a group text back. Uh, I don't know, some of you may not know Veretta, but she runs a, uh, a musical school for kids and she trains kids in, in musical arts. Um, and she had um, been the victim of an intruder into her home. And the intruder came while they were sleeping and I, her daughter woke up while the intruder was in the house. Um, but anyway, so she had texted me. She said, we had an intruder. The intruder stole my cell phone, stole my laptop. Um, you know, took a bunch of stuff. But fortunately, the cops were able to um, catch the intruder. Um, But unfortunately, she got her cell phone back, but she didn't get her laptop back. Um, And uh, so she was praying, you know, she was asking us all to pray because she had a bunch of expansion plans for her ministry um, on the laptop and a lot of other important documents, and they weren't able to locate it. So I texted her back and I said, you know, we're praying for you. And I shared a story with her about how there's this uh, pastor preacher, his name's Kenneth Hagan a lot of you probably know who it is. He, he told a story about how this one time a thief came in and stole his only good dress pants, and he was supposed to preach on Thursday, and he didn't have money to go get a new set of dress pants. So he just prayed, and he believed, and he said, Lord, I just pray that the Thief is going to be so convicted that he's just going to come back, and there, is so many bad things are going to happen to him. He's just going to come back and bring the pants back to me. And believe it or not, that's what, exactly what the thief did for Kenneth Hagen. And and so I got a text from Freda this morning saying that they, lo- she sent me a text of the laptop, and she said that they, you know, that they had located it and that it was being fingerprinted. But she got it back, so it was. It's just a true testament to how God is protecting his people, uh, regardless of what um, what the enemy will um, try and bring against you.
0: Praise the Lord. Okay, another story, the last story about this uh, protection, then we're going to talk about our own personal lives. You want to talk about your own personal life? Okay. You want to come up here and talk about you No. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, you guys know the story about Joshua and... Uh, uh, how he had the sun to stand still. He was fighting the Lord's battles. And so he, asked, he couldn't destroy all the enemies, so he asked the Lord, could you just hold the sun for a while? Can you imagine that? What, what a request. What kind of relationship does he have with the Lord? And we had that same relationship. We tell the Lord, please don't let it rain on Sunday, okay? You know, we, this, is a, this is your day, Lord. We want the people to come in with their nice clothes and everything. We don't want to have, you know, be all wet and lose their hair uh, style. But... God is good. He's been good for many, t- many years, you know. But if it does rain, you still come to church. Amen? Amen. All right. Just play it like it's Noah's Ark and just come on in. To the... <laughs> but, but so Joshua had this, uh, you know, he was trying to chase these guys down. And if you can picture yourself that these guys are running for their lives, and they're running and they're running and these guys, they're waiting for a night to come. and night never came. It's like, what time you got? It's like 7, 8 o'clock at night. What, what? Why is the sun still out? And so Joshua was trying, and Joshua still couldn't get them all. What do you think the Lord did? Come on, come on. I'm sorry? Well, he had to, I think, just with the sun stop, Everything else had to stop. But how is he going to kill these guys? Well, check this out. Joshua 10, 11. Gina, you don't know this? You know this one, don't you? No. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, and it happened. It happened. Say it happened. You want it to happen in your life? (laughs) The things you're believing God for, you want them to happen? Hallelujah. What good is it to pray (laughs) if it doesn't happen? (laughs) Why are we praying, you know? You pray and it doesn't happen. You go, okay, well, I guess it's not the Lord's will. No, no, no. It's the Lord's will. You pray, you believe God according to his will. And if you pray according to his will, it will happen. As they fled before Israel and were on the desert of Beth Haran, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven. What you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> There's what. <one>. Lord <laughs> <laughs> having a field day that day, you know. <laughs> I'm like uh, Kershaw. You know, he's throwing them 94-hour, hour large. Large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiel, and they died. Now, check this out. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. <laughs> Y'all not doing it. Let me help you, okay? <laughs> Doesn't the Lord go above and beyond what you can do? You do whatever you can do, and then he, he takes care of the rest. Can I get a good amen on that? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. All right. So let's talk about you all now. What has this all got to do with you? Uh-oh. Let's get personal here. You know, there's a fine line between pastoring and pestering. You know that, right? <laughs> Getting your business. But let's talk about this now. What, what enemies are we fighting right now? We're fighting the devil, Okay. But how many even know the devil is defeated? He, he, he's already defeated. He, it would be silly to be in a war and keep fighting when they already had a truce. <laughs> they already had the treaty and you're still fighting. What are you fighting for? It's over. If the devil comes to you and tries to, de- to defeat you or, or tell you to do things that you don't want to do, say, no, 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 no. You're defeated. I have the victory in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, the Bible says the devil walks around seeking whom he may. You have to say mother, you know the old mother may I? No, you may not. (laughs) When he tries to tempt you, you say no, I'm not taking this, right? But guess what one of our biggest enemies is? The, The biggest enemies the devil uses is ourselves, right? He says he can only tempt us by what's inside of us. The lust that we have, he tempts us with that. You know, if you like to drink and there's somebody drinking, it's a temptation. If you like to eat, that's why, you know, you're going to the market. They have these things on the aisles to tempt you. <laughs> and they have people that spend hours in chemistry labs trying to figure out what will taste so good. Hit your taste buds so much that you'll come back and keep wanting to buy it more and more and more. <laughs> Don't tempt me now. <laughs> now, the thing to do is not bring it home with you and let it try to, try to resist it at home, right? <laughs> I'm not going in that refrigerator. I'll tell you, bless God, I'm not going in. And you lay down and wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, come talk to me. <laughs> oh, excuse me. All right. But that's true in Anything that tries to, it's in you, you know? You have, to, you have to change your likings on the inside. You have to have a desire for the things of God more than the desires of the things of the world. Now, Paul had this problem. You know Paul had this problem? Yeah, oh yeah, he did. And uh, let's go to uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 19 and 20. He said, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is not no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. We talked to you earlier. This is the do-do scripture, right? The things that I don't want to do, I wind up doing. Things that I tell other people don't do, I, I do it myself. Okay? <laughs> I always heard, always said that you know, if you're in trouble about a situation, just tell yourself what you would tell somebody else. Well, brother, you need to pray about that. <laughs> You see God, you know, <laughs> fast. <laughs> but we don't do that, do we? We call somebody, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, she is terrible. No, the things that you're supposed to do, you do. Okay, and let's go on. How, he's, in Romans, let's go on. But he says, I see another law in my members, what? Warring. There's a war going on. You're still in a war. Your enemy is the devil who tries to take what's on the inside of you and put it and and press it against you, against the law of my mind, and bring me into captivity to the law of sin, which is my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So who won the victory? Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, there's a scripture in Colossians, we're going to get to it, but it's, it's not in the sequence here. It says, give thanks unto the Father which has made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Has is past tense. You have been delivered. You're not trying to be delivered. In the spiritual realm, you are already there. Just receive what you have already been appropriated to you. You can resist the devil. You have to, you, he, you, you may be alone, but he, you're not alone. <laughs> He's on your shoulder. He's near you. He's talking to you. He's saying, like, you know, you need that. You need to, bless God, you deserve that. No, you don't. <laughs> you deserve the glory of God, amen? And so I, when I get those temptations, I say, devil, you leave me alone. I'm not, I'm not obeying you. I'm not, I'm not going to listen to you. Praise God. And somehow that temptation just leaves, just leaves, just goes. Praise God. So that was, that was his dilemma. Now let's look in here in Colossians 2, 13 through 15. Next one. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. You know we're dead people walking, right? Our flesh is dead. We're not supposed to be yielding to it. We're supposed to yield our members to righteousness. Praise the Lord. You guys remember this when you get out of here, right? <laughs> Hold on to this. Hold on to this. He has made alive with him, having forgiven you all the trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary contrary to us, and he hath taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. I think there's one more. Uh, yes, he made a. Is it in there? Yes. Thank you. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. What's the story here? Jesus went to hell. He said, devil, give me those keys, the keys of, of, of death, of hell. Give me the keys. Give me, give give, give give me. And he walked around, and he said, all you people that were here in, in, uh, in Abraham's bosom, come on out. We're leaving. Lead principalities. Come on, we're leaving. Go, up. Devil, you just be quiet, okay? And lucky here, we got the keys, we got the keys, right? He made a public show. In the Old Testament, when they defeated a king, they'd bring him up and parade him through town, and they'd, make, they'd mock him and, and, and uh, make fun of him and, and bring in all the hostages, and they're just going, oh, gee, we tried, but we didn't. The devil is a defeated foe. We, we don't fight the devil. We fight the good fight of faith. We believe in him, right? We wrestle with principalities. We tell them you can't do this, but we are enforcers in the kingdom of God. Amen? All right. I think this is our last scripture. John 16, 33. In the world, you will have tribulation. I'm here to tell you, it's not going to be like a walk through the park, you know? In the spirit it is. You know, I've always said this, that if you're on a, on a boat and in a lake, it's okay if the water, if you're on the water, right? But if the water gets in the boat, you're in trouble. Trouble, you can have trouble all around you, but just don't let it get in you. Praise God. You, you have to keep your wits about you and let, know that the Lord is going to take care of you. So in this world, you will have tribulation, but just keep your head up. You know, do the best you can. You know, just w- whatever. I know it's tough. No, what he said. Be a good cheer. I, I've overcome the world. I did everything, you know. Follow me. Watch me. Let me do it for you. I will overcome the world. You know, it's good news to me. It's great news to me. So, the victory that we have is in Christ Jesus. Let's see if we have this scripture. Let's go to the next scripture. This is the one I read, all right. Okay, let's go to the next one, and I think we're going to. Let's go to the next one. Okay, so what does this all mean? What are you blabbering about, Pastor Jack? <laughs> in, thank you. You are paying attention, right? <laughs> we have to trust in God, in his word, what he said to us, what he put in, on the inside of us to overcome every enemy, every foe that we have. The colonists, they had to do it. They had to go against the most powerful nation in the world. They were burning their houses. They were doing all kinds of stuff to them. But they stood fast and believed. We have to stand fast and believe that what God has put in our heart, he's able also to perform it. So God bless America, and God bless you. Amen?